G.L. Moody said, you might as well try to see without eyes, hear without ears, or breathe without lungs as to try to live the Christian life without the Holy Spirit. And tonight, I am going to challenge you guys, and I, I believe that the, the Holy Spirit is going to challenge you guys, because the Holy Spirit can actually come, up, 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 or come beside you and convict you whether you have him or not. Because the Lord said, Jesus Christ said that he will bring the Holy Spirit, he will send the Holy Spirit to convict the world of sin. And so whether we have the Holy Spirit or not, he is present, he is alive, and he is real. And you're probably sitting there and you've probably been to church and you're probably thinking, the Holy Spirit's not real. I've never experienced him, I've never seen him. One of the things that we're gonna find out tonight is that yes, you cannot see the Holy Spirit, but that does not make him any less real. Oftentimes throughout scriptures, the Holy Spirit is referenced to as wind. How many of you guys have seen wind? I woke up this morning, no you have not, and you weirdos. <laughs> None of us have seen wind, I, and I'll explain to you why. I woke up this morning and I was, I was like, great, my power keeps going on and off. It went on and off about 50 times. Danville, I didn't know if this hit you guys, but we had a storm last night and this morning. Everybody else locally, obviously this is why you didn't go to school, because of this storm, because of these, these wind gusts. Some of you did have school. Obviously, some of you are homeschooled, so you have school 24-7, you're probably doing it right now. But anyways, what I was thinking is I was thinking, listen, I was thinking, man, this is perfect for the teaching because as I'm driving to work this morning or to church this morning, I was looking around Clayton and, and all I could see was the damage and I could see the effects of wind. I never saw the wind, right, but I saw the effects of wind. And so what we, what we know, what we come to find out is the Holy Spirit is referenced to wind and there's, there's other different symbols as fire and the dove and all these different things that the Bible mentions about the Holy Spirit. But we get the wind and we understand that he's something that we can't see, but we see the effects of it. And so you might make the claim, I've never seen him, but I can make the claim that I've seen the effects of the Holy Spirit. I see what he does and I see the power and I see it in my life, and I see it in other people's lives. And what I'm gonna challenge you with tonight, whether you're, you're 40 years old, or whether you're, you're 11 years old, or whether you're 18 years old, is do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you received the Holy Spirit? One of the sections that we'll be in tonight is in Acts chapter 19, when Paul goes to Ephesus, and he sees disciples, and he says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And that's an interesting question. But we'll get to that a little bit later tonight. Again, like I said, you might be thinking the Holy Spirit is not real. Charles Spurgeon, and as I was studying upon the Holy Spirit as leading up to this, I used a lot of what Charles Spurgeon uh, spoke upon and taught upon with the Holy Spirit. And he gave this example of how there was this guy who was con convicted for murder, or he was in court for murder. And he said, let me go find 40 people who can prove who have not seen, who didn't see me murder them and come up and prove and be a witness that I didn't murder that person. Do you think he could find 40 people? Very easily, very easily. But that's not the point. The point is not finding somebody who has not seen it. It's about finding somebody who has seen it. And there are people who have seen and felt and experienced the Holy Spirit. Just because somebody hasn't seen it or experience it doesn't mean that it's a factual truth that it's not real so again tonight we are going to be looking at the vitality of the holy spirit did, you, did i give that back to you what did i do with it oh here it is so the next quote spurgeon says without the spirit of god we can do nothing we are as ships without wind we are useless andrew murray goes on to say men ought to seek with their whole hearts to be filled with the with the spirit of god Without being filled with the Spirit, it is utterly impossible that an individual Christian or a church can ever live or work as God desires. Guys, the Holy Spirit is real. The Holy Spirit is important. The Holy Spirit is, most of us have grown up in church and we've been taught about the Holy Spirit and we know and we've been taught the, the um, Trinity, right? How many of you guys know about the Trinity? Right, God the Father, Jesus the Son, and, and the Holy Spirit, right? The, the triune God. Now, what we come to find out is actually the word Trinity is not in the Bible. Did you guys know that? Did you guys know the word rapture is not in the Bible? Yeah. But 
everything though those words mean, it's shown in the Bible that it is real, that it's there, that the rapture does happen, that the, the triune God, that the Trinity God is there. And so we all know God the Father. We've all been taught him. We all know Jesus Christ, right? Everybody knows, not everybody, but a majority and every Christian knows about Jesus Christ, right? We tell you Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you. But what about the, the third person, right? What about the third person in the Trinity of God? What about the Holy Spirit? What do we believe about him? What do we know about him? Do we think of him as lesser? Do we think of Jesus Christ as less, Jesus Christ as lesser than God the Father? They're all equal. And the Bible proves that and he states that, that they are all God, but they all have different roles. It's very interesting. They all have different roles. I'm a father myself and I have a son. And we get the example of God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. We, me and my son, are equals, right? We're equals. We're both humans. We're both sinners. We're both not good people. He's only six. I'm only 30, but it's true, right? The difference is there's different roles, right? I can tell him what to do, right? You guys have fathers, parents, guardians, teachers, somebody over you. There's different roles. The teachers in your school, your pastors, you have different rules. Now, we don't lord it over you. We shouldn't. We shouldn't take advantage, but there is different roles. And that's why we see with Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane where he prays and he says, not my will be done, but your will be done because Jesus Christ had the role of submission unto the Father. Didn't make him any less. It's just like in the Bible where, where uh, Paul tells the wives to submit to husbands. Doesn't make wives any less than, than husbands. Doesn't make women any less than men. It just means that there is a role. And just as Jesus Christ had to submit to God the Father. And so we get to the third person of the Trinity of God. The Holy Spirit is not less than God himself or less than Jesus Christ. And what we come to find out as we start in, in Acts and we see the beginning of the church, that that church without the Holy Spirit would have gone nowhere. Without the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I would not be here sitting here right now because the church would be non-existent. And what's crazy is that what 95%, this is just a guess, I'm just throwing it out there, it's a quote, 95% of what happened in, in the beginning of the church and the foundation in Acts chapter two, we see, what was it, uh, Peter give this amazing, this actually, what is even that amazing, to be honest? If you, if you read Acts chapter two, where he gives this uh, uh, sermon, and basically he just gives them the historical context of the Old Testament, and it cut to the heart of the people, and they said to him, what should we do? And he said, you need to repent and believe. And it says that I think 3,000 people were saved that day. How was that possible? The sermon wasn't that awesome. He didn't use, you know, the effects and he didn't use stage props and he didn't use lights and a smoke. He, he just stood up and he just explained the gospel, explained what, what it was from beginning to end. It wasn't the word so much that made the change. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that made the change. Without the Holy Spirit, there will be no effect in your life. You will be striving to do something and be the Christian, but you're going to be dead at the same time. And I want to challenge you tonight. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? But before we answer that question and get to that portion of Scripture, let's talk about a little bit of who the Holy Spirit is. We talked about the Trinity. The word is not in the Bible, but the Bible often re refers to it. I was just looking at uh, 1 John before I got up here. If you guys want to turn to 1 John really quick, it shows us in chapter 5, in verse 7, it says, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, which we know to be Jesus Christ. If you ever read the Gospel of John, the beginning of John, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, speaking of Jesus Christ. So it shows us that Jesus is the word and Jesus was at the beginning with God himself. But then we get this third person, right? The Holy Spirit. And it says at the end of verse seven of John, 1 John chapter five, it says, and these three are one. Do you guys wanna hear a great explanation of how this is even possible? 
of how God is, is one God. It's not three, three gods. Please don't, don't think that. It is one God. We worship one God, but there are three persons. Do you want me to explain how that's, that's possible? You guys ready? I'm sorry, I can't. I really can't. And there's some things about God that are beyond our understanding. And I'm okay with that. And that's where our faith plays in. But I know that the scripture says it to be true, so I believe it. It's just in the same sense when your parents tell you something when you were little, you didn't, you didn't need evidence, you didn't need them to support what they said, you just believed them because of who they were, because of the re- relationship that you have with them. Some of us might not have good parents growing up, I don't know, but for the majority of us, hopefully, when our parents said something, we trusted them because they have proven themselves faithful and God has done so. God has proven himself faithful. We know as we we read through scripture that scripture itself was inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it was God breathed, right? There's that word breathe, like the wind. It was Holy Spirit inspired. So, and the Holy Spirit is truth, God is truth. And God continues to reveal himself as truth and I'm gonna believe it as truth. I may not understand it completely. And I know there's a bunch of analogies out there trying to explain how this is so. There's one about the egg. Have you guys heard that one? The egg, like you got the shell and then you got the yolk and then you got the, the what is that, the other part, the white stuff? The egg whites? <laughs> Don't be weird. So you got, the, you got the three in one type effect or you know, you got H2O, right? Which you can have the liquid form, you can have the solid form ice or you can have you know, the, what is it, the gas, the mist, I don't know, steam. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. I'm not that intelligent. Now, we can use those analogies, but I really believe that those analogies don't fully give God his due in, in understanding of who he is. I really don't. And I think it just takes a lot of faith and in, in sometimes being okay with not always having to know and understand every single thing. You don't need to. Just trust in God. Believe what he says to be true. So we see here that the Holy Spirit is a part of God, that he is a person. And I'm going to continue to say that he's a person and he's not an it. Okay? And when I say he's not an it, he's not a thing and he's not a, a, a force. Right? He's, he's not, I mean, you guys like Star Wars? Right? You got, wow, okay. Everybody likes Star Wars? All the guys, raise your hand. A couple girls. You guys just saw the new one that came out? It was actually pretty, pretty decent. So right at the end, right at the end, he, I'm just kidding, I won't tell you. I won't spoil it for you. But we all, we've all seen it. We've all seen like, like, the Star Wars is a good example between like bad and good, light and darkness, right? You got the good side, which I think is the Jedi, am I right? You got the bad side, which is the Sith. Wow, look at me, man. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good. All right, so, so we, we get that. And then with, with the Jedi, you got this, this force that they have right? This, this force. And the Holy Spirit is, is, is not like that. The Holy Spirit is not a, a force. He is, he's not an it. And oftentimes throughout scripture, the Holy Spirit is used with personal pronouns. He's not referred to as an it or as a force. And we see that he is personal. And just like Jesus Christ is personal to us, he wants to have a personal relationship. We should have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit because he is a person. And we'll get into that a little bit more in a second. He's a person. Again, I said, what did I say? The personal pronouns, the he. It says that he, often throughout scripture referring to the Holy Spirit, it's a he. Well, it's a he. He's a he. <laughs> the Holy Spirit is a he. Numa. P-N-E-U-M-A, which is often referred to as the Holy Spirit, the word that we get refers to, it's a, it's a neuter word, and it, but the pronouns used for it are masculine. And, and again, like I said, the personal pronouns often used, uh, are, are often used referring to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He doesn't necessarily take on a bodily form. You don't need a body to be a, a person. But what we see throughout Scripture is that there's different things that characterize the Holy Spirit as a person. There's a few things that make us a person, okay? Not necessarily a human being, but a person. One, we see that there's intelligence. Well, for some of us, right? Intelligence. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it shows us that the Holy Spirit, that he knows the things of God. Who can know the things of man except for who? The spirit of man. And who can know the things of God except who? The spirit of God. And how can you know the things of God? Because you've been given the spirit of God. He is a person. There's intelligence. There is the mind of the spirit. We see that in Romans chapter 8, verse 27. And I don't have a lot of time to, to flip through the Bible and to give you references and to read them all. Because the Holy Spirit is, honestly, if we wanted to study the Holy Spirit, we'd be here for a couple years, okay? And we're trying to cover as much as we can in three sessions. But the great thing is that you guys have access to the Bible. You have access to the Holy Spirit. He's, he's omnipresent, right? He's omnipresent. You know what that means? He can be everywhere at one time. Everywhere at one time. Do you know that Jesus Christ, when he came and he was born, that he couldn't do that? He couldn't do that. Do you know why? Because he was a man. I can barely be at one place at one time, right? And that's all we can do is be at one place at one time. And because Jesus came, he was 100% God, but he was also 100% man. He felt hunger. He felt pain. He was sad. And he was also limited to the things of this body, so he couldn't be at every place at one time. And at one point, he tells his disciples that it's better that I go, that I leave. And the disciples are probably thinking, no, 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 dude, like you're our teacher. You have been with us for three years. Do you remember us like knuckleheads, how we were always, you know, arguing about who's gonna be the greatest and sit at the right hand of the throne of God? And here we are, look, at, look how far we've grown. And some of them didn't really even grow that far. Actually, none of them really did at all until after he left, right? They all scattered and abandoned him at his greatest time of need, right? When he was crucified. Do you know who stayed, stayed there when he was crucified? The women. All the men ran away, right? Peter, we know Peter, the, the great example that he was, he denied him three times, right? Straight up. There was a little girl that said, hey, are you, aren't you one of them? And he cursed at her and said no and denied it, right? Great example of a perfect Christian, right? But what I really believe is that we see them trying to do everything that they were doing without the Holy Spirit. Because then they received the Holy Spirit and the empowering of the Holy Spirit after Jesus left. And Jesus said, it's better that I go because when I go, I'm going to send you a what? A helper. Look around this room. Look, look at us. We need help. Okay. All of us, every single one of us need help. And not just like in the funny way. I'm talking about in the spiritual way. We need help. We need guidance. We need the Holy Spirit for understanding. We'll study this a little bit more tomorrow about the different roles and the different things the Holy Spirit does in our lives as Christians. It's endless. I gave you guys this sheet, right? You guys got that sheet, the, the eight and a half by 11, the, the paper. And on it, it has every single book of the Bible. And it shows you that the Holy Spirit is in there. Even in the Old Testament, isn't that crazy? Even before Jesus Christ sent him to us and for us as Christians, as believers. He's there, he was present. That the Holy Spirit was present at the beginning of creation, before creation. The Holy Spirit didn't just come when Jesus sent him in the New Testament. Jesus didn't just arrive on the scene of life when he was born a baby. Jesus has always been, the Holy Spirit has always been. And we see that actually in the beginning, in Genesis. Chapter 1, do you want to guess what verse? Verse 1, right? What is that verse? In the beginning, God. In that word that we see, God, anybody know what, what it is in Hebrew? Elohim, right? You know what that means? God. <laughs> wow, you guys, you guys are doing good. Now, in Hebrew, the singular word for God is El. And the dual tense, dual meaning dos, two, is ela, E-L-A-H. And, and it indicates that dual sense of two. But to indicate three or more, the word Elohim is used. And Elohim is used in Genesis chapter one, verse one, showing us that the triune God, the one God in three person, God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit was there the beginning, and he started 
creation. And then we get into verse two, which is, somebody read it for me because I already forgot. Genesis chapter one, verse two, come on. Everybody knows where Genesis is. Go to page one. No, you're way off, but good try. I, I'm, I like that you tried. Keep going. Was that it, the whole thing? And the Spirit of God, say it again. In the Spirit of God, you know, I have my own Bible. What am I doing? All right, listen, listen, let's focus. Genesis 1-1, we all know that. We can quote it. But Genesis 1-2, thank you guys for finding it. The earth, the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of waters. Sometimes we just, like, bypass that and forget that is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. He was there from the beginning, right? It is the Holy Spirit. Listen, listen, focus on me. Focus on what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is what gives life. When God created Adam, what did he do? He made him from the dust, and then how did he make that dust come alive? He breathed on him, right? He breathed on him, or in him, not on him. Don't be weird. Genesis 8.1, look at this. It says, then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. This word wind here in the Hebrew is ruach. Say that with me. Ruach. Right? That is, that is the wind. That is breath. That is the spirit. Do you, do you see the common theme here? Ruach. Wind, breath, spirit. How do I spell it? R-U-A-C-H. R-U-A-C-H. All right, listen. We see God breathing into Adam and bringing forth a physical life. We even see in Genesis 1.26, I believe, is it Genesis 1.26? I'm not even good. I'm going to make sure it's Genesis 1.26. It says, then God said, let us make man in whose image? Our image. Right? God says it. God says, let's make man in our image. Speaking of the image of God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, our image, according to our likeness. God created us for perfection. God created us in his likeness, in his image. God did not create you, and I say this all the time, but I, I, I couldn't stress it even more. God did not create you to fail. God did not create you to be miserable, to be you know, grumpy or depressed or sad or hurt. God did not create that. That's not how he created you. But the thing is, when he did create you, and when I'm talking about you, I'm talking about you as a human being. When he created us as human beings, he also gave us a free will. We all know this. He gave us a free will. Even now you have a free will, right? You have a free will either to be here or not be here, unless some of you were forced by your parents, which I'm sure some, from some of you are nodding, that's true. Other than that, you still have a free will. It's just a little confined a little bit now until you guys get out of your house. But you have a free will in a sense of where you go spiritually, of what you decide to believe, of who you decide to believe. You have the free will to reject God, to disobey him, or you have the free will to accept God and to obey him. And even in the perfect state that Adam was in, he failed because he had a free will, because he decided that I am gonna eat of the fruit that God told me not to eat. And some of us are thinking, man, like I don't even eat fruit now. What was he thinking? Like how good of a fruit could it have been, right? And then he goes on to say, well, it was the woman that you gave me. That's why I ate of it. It's her fault, right? It was her fault. God's like, no, dude, I created her for you, to help you, to be beside you. You needed somebody. I didn't want you to be alone, so I gave you a help me. Don't blame it on her. It's your fault. It was your responsibility. And so since then, we all know that sin entered the world. You and I are affected by that sin. That's why we don't have to learn, you know, how to do bad things. I don't teach my kids to do bad things. They just do it because they're bad people. 
They're bad humans. I will say that. They're three years old, almost three, and they're six years old, and they are bad people. It's as simple as it is. I want you to understand, and I need you to understand that scripturally, doctrinally, that there are no good people. You understand this? You're not a good person. You might be kind, you might be sweet, but, but scripturally speaking, spiritually speaking, you are not a good person. And if you cannot understand that, then you are completely missing your need for a savior. You have to understand that you are not a good person. And you, you're probably thinking and agreeing, yeah, I'm not a good person. Well, good, I'm glad you're there. I'm glad you understand that. Because now you know that you need a, you need a savior. Listen, guys, God is real. Jesus Christ is real. It's, it's a historical fact that there were so many martyrs, there were so many witnesses of Jesus Christ that people gave their lives for it. They gave their lives for him. And the Holy Spirit is real. And even though you're young, and even though you may have the mentality that, you know, I, I still got time. Listen, I, I believe that everybody in this room, and, and as I was browsing social media, and as I was watching TV and watching the news, and we all saw what happened about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago with Kobe Bryant, right? And he died. And you, you think of a person, he was, an, he was a genuinely awesome person. I don't, whatever you believe, that's fine. And, and I see that, not that I knew him at all, right? Probably haven't been within 20,000 feet of the dude. But from what I see from everybody saying about who he was and what he did, you see that he was a genuine, like he was a genuinely good dude. And he was on that helicopter with these young girls, right? With his daughter, with the other kids on the team, your age. Who would have ever expected for that to happen? You think you're invincible, you think you have time, but you never know. You never know. And you are at the age where you can make the choice to believe God or to reject God. And there is nothing more important in this world than that. Listen, what you do, my, one of my favorite quotes from, um, what's that movie where he goes like this? Gladiator. One of my favorite quotes from Gladiator, he says, what you do in this life will echo in eternity. And it's not so much about what you do with your career. It's not so much about what you do, you know, with, with, with your family. It's what you do with your belief. Do you, are you going to repent of your sins and believe in God? Or are you just going to live a life that, that says, you know what, I'm just going to try to do my best and be a good person and, you know, show up at church every now and again and, you know, I, I, I'll figure it out when I die. Listen, there's, you got one shot. There's no respawning. It's not a video game. You have to come to the conclusion. You have to believe and the Holy Spirit will move and he's gonna move on your heart and he's gonna convict you to show you that you're not a good person, that you need Jesus Christ and the grace that he has freely extended to us and receive the empowering and the filling of the Holy Spirit to walk a life that is honoring and reflective of the faith that you profess to begin with. You have to. Listen, you've fallen short of the standard to get into heaven. Do you know that? Do you know what the standard is? Anybody know? Perfection, righteousness. Now listen, none of us are perfect, right? Look at the back of the t-shirt, I'm not perfect, okay? None of us are righteous, no, not one. Romans tells us all have fallen short of the glory of God. And it's not a matter of, I haven't murdered anybody, you know, I haven't looked at pornography, I haven't, you know, drank alcohol, you know, I've been a pretty good kid. It's, it's not even about that. It's not even about the, the actions so much. It's about the heart. It's about the heart. And your heart is against God, whether you say it or not. If your heart is not for God, against God. You are an enemy with God. The Bible tells us that we were enemies with God. And yet while still sinners, Christ died for you. Christ died for you at your ugliest, at your darkest, and he loved you. You have to know that. You have to know that you have to need, you, you are in need of Jesus Christ 
our Savior. Going back to the Holy Spirit, we went on a little tangent there. Again, we were talking about the characteristics of him as a person, weren't we? That was about 10 minutes ago. We talked about the intelligence of the Holy Spirit, how he knows the things of God, how he knows the mind of the, of the Spirit, that there's the mind of the Spirit. We also know that the Holy Spirit uh, has emotions. Not that he's emotional, okay? He's not a teenage boy, okay? He's not emotional, but he has emotions. Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 tells us that we can grieve the Spirit. We also know that the Spirit has a will. And the Spirit gives spiritual gifts as he wills. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11. He also acts like a person. He teaches. John 14, 26. He intercedes. Romans 8, 26. He performs miracles. Acts 8, 39. And he leads. Romans 8, 14. Again, Romans 8, 27 shows us that he has a mind. And Romans 15, 30 shows us that he loves us. He loves us. There's also personal acts that are ascribed to the Holy Spirit. He speaks, he intercedes, he teaches. We talked about that, he guides. And sometimes he forbids. We see in Acts where Paul wanted to go places and the Holy Spirit said, no. Like, what, you told me no? No, that's not fair. Maybe my mom can tell, my, tell me no. The Holy Spirit said no. Paul, don't go there, no. Well, that would be nice. I wish the Holy Spirit would tell me no sometimes when he does but I don't listen. The Spirit strives with man. We see that in Genesis 6.3. So we've looked at the person of the Holy Spirit, that he's a person, that he takes, he takes on that, that, that personality, those characteristics of what a person is. And so that's why we ascribed him as a person, uh, 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 the third person in the triune God. One God, three people. But there's also attributes of the Holy Spirit that are attributed to God. It's not just a person, he's God. God is eternal, right? God is eternal. He was, he is, and he will be. God is beyond time, right? God has always been. I do not, my, my tiny brain does not know how to fathom before time, right? But God was, and he will always be. And Hebrews chapter 9 verse 14 speaks of the eternal spirit, right? The eternal spirit. We see here again, that the Holy Spirit and his deity. God is omniscient. In Acts 15, 8, we see that. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 10 through 11, he says the things of God are known only by the Spirit. The Spirit is all-knowing. God is omnipresent. And in Psalm 139, 7, David says, uh, the Spirit is everywhere. He says, where can I go from your Spirit? It's a rhetorical question. There's nowhere that I can go where your Spirit isn't. There's nothing that I can do that you cannot see. That's God. It's the Holy Spirit. God is omnipotent. You guys know what that means? He's all-powerful. Think of this, omnipotent, omnipotent, right? Omnipotent. He's all-powerful, omnipotent. Luke 1.35 says the angel speaks of the Holy Spirit as the power of the highest. And we see the works of God in the Holy Spirit. We already talked about Genesis 1.1, how the Spirit was active in creation. He brings life. And I've, I emphasize that because not only did he bring life physically, but you need to understand that the Holy Spirit is the one that brings life spiritually. The Holy Spirit is the one that brings life spiritually. And I believe in this room tonight that there's a lot of us who are spiritually dead. Spiritually dead. It's not that you go to church that makes you alive. It's not reading the Bible that makes you alive. It's not doing good things that makes you alive. It's not even repenting and feeling bad or sorry that makes you alive. It's the Holy Spirit only. It's the Holy Spirit only. Genesis 1-2 speaks of the Spirit moving on the face of the waters. Genesis 1-26, again, these are the works of God in the Holy Spirit. Uh, gives us a glimpse of the Trinity working in harmony to create man. Psalm 104 speaks of the Spirit's part in creation again. And again, we see the Spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6. Paul says, The letter of the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. 
you look at the law, you look at the commandments, and you think, wow, I can't live up to any of these. Yeah, you can't. It brings death. But Jesus came to fulfill the law, and he lived it perfectly. He just, he, he like, he, he completely trumped it. Lived it perfectly, and he became the perfect sacrifice for you and I. Because there was only one sacrifice that was sufficient for God the Father for the iniquity of the humans that he created, for their disobedience. When you get in trouble, what happens? You get punished, hopefully, right? There are consequences for doing bad, right? Now, within our law, there's, there's obviously different consequences, right? If you steal something, you'll probably only get like 30 years. Just kidding. That actually happened. True story. I just saw it the other day. It's crazy. Anyways, but there's consequences, right? You murder somebody, consequences are a little bit higher, right? Now, understand this, that your sin, which starts in the heart, whether it's because you are jealous or prideful, spiteful, uh, you know, maybe you look at somebody with lust, maybe you've lied, you may be thinking those are just little things. Listen, Adam ate a fruit. He ate a piece of fruit, and that started this whole trend of sin. He was kicked out of the Garden of Eden, which was perfection. He could no longer walk with God because God could not abide with man anymore because man was sinful. And God we know to be holy. Light, light and darkness cannot be together. But light does drive out darkness, right? And so Adam was kicked out all for just a simple act of disobedience. That's it. So don't think, you know, what I've done isn't that bad. You're a sinner. You might be, you might have been dubbed like the best kid in your family, right? Maybe everybody at church knows you as like the quiet, nice kid, you know, and like, oh, he's so sweet. I could never see him or her angry or doing any, any wrong, right? I know there's a, some of you in our youth that are like that and parents say that and you're like, it's all sweet. And then, but no, like, like you guys are like wicked. You're evil. You're grumpy, you're mean, right? And even though you may not verbalize it, maybe because you're an introvert or something, or maybe you just hide it really well, we're just bad people. We're bad people. And this part of my testimony, that I was a dead Christian, and when I say dead Christian, it's not even a Christian, because you cannot be a Christian and be dead. But I professed myself to be a Christian. I went to church, I've been to Calvary chapels. I believe everybody in this room is, is has a pretty good understanding of Calvary Chapel. We all pretty much attend a Calvary Chapel. A Calvary Chapel is not the perfect church. It is not the only church. But I do know Calvary Chapel to be the church that teaches the Bible uh, uh, an expository that exposes the word and teaches it chapter by chapter, book by book, verse by verse. So truth is always brought forth. So there was no time in my life where I could say I was never taught the truth. I was continually taught the truth. And I went to church all my life. I went to youth group. I was super active in my youth group. I went to everything. My senior year of high school, I was on the baseball team on varsity. I was actually a starter, believe it or not, barely, but I was. And I skipped games to go to youth activities. There are kids in this room who quit, quit teams to be a part of the church. And I think that's awesome. I really, like it was, it, was, it was an amazing thing when I heard that. But bear in mind, all of that and everything that I did was in vain, it was dead. Because I hadn't truly repented, I truly hadn't given my faith and my life to Jesus Christ. I hadn't truly confessed my sins. I was sorry because I didn't want to be punished, but I didn't truly give my life and my heart and everything I was and love Jesus for who he was. And I was never given and filled with the Holy Spirit. You cannot receive the Holy Spirit without faith, without repentance. And some of us try to hide those things. We're ashamed of them. And that's okay. Shame's not a good thing. But please understand that Jesus Christ took that shame. He bore that shame. The New Testament tells us that. That you no longer have to live with that shame. Listen, every single one of us are ashamed of something. It's just going to come out in a, in a different way with different things. 
We're all ashamed of something. We've all done something. Not one of us is better than the other. You might think so, but you're, you're terribly mistaken. We've all sinned. That's why it's so beautiful, and I need you to understand that there needs to be a confession of your sin. There needs to be a repentance, not just a, I don't want to get in trouble, God. I don't want to go to hell. It's not the fear of hell that should drive you to Jesus Christ. It's the love of Jesus Christ that should drive you to Jesus Christ. It's because he loves you. I didn't run to Jesus because I was afraid of hell. I ran to Jesus because he loved me and because he opened his arms up to me. He welcomed me. He forgave me. He took upon the wrath that was rightfully, the consequence, the wrath that was rightfully due for me. And again, guys, you don't know what tomorrow holds. You're 11, 12, 13, 18 years old. Again, you're not invincible. One, time is not on your side, right? Time is not, you're gonna get wrinkly and old and sore and saggy. You can get a little chunkier probably. It's just part of life. But also we don't know what life holds. I mean, I know it's, it's often said that you don't, you, know, you don't know because you could be in an accident tomorrow and, and die. And God's not going to stand right there and say, you know what, you were only 13 years old. I, I'll, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I'll let you in. I, I feel bad for you. No, no, no. You are 13 years old and you understand right now. You understand whether you need a Savior or not. And you are held accountable for that. Don't play the, the little baby card that, you know, like the ignorant card. You hear the gospel. You see the truth. You hear it. Respond to it. You need to. And then when we respond to it, we need to live it. James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Listen, the Holy Spirit, he will bring you the power to overcome those things that are bringing you shame. Those things that bring us shame are the things that we keep falling into, the things that we don't want people to know about, and it eats at us, and it hurts us, and, 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 there, and there's just a, a bondage. Like, you're free to run wherever you are, but there's a bondage because of the weight of that sin, of that iniquity. And Jesus can free you from that. He can bring you the peace. He can lift that weight off your shoulder, but there has to be confession. There has to be repentance, and that repentance is a turning way of your sin. And when you repent, and when you believe, and when you confess, and you believe that Jesus Christ is the Lord of Lords, and that he truly died for you, that he will give you your, his Holy Spirit. He will give you his Holy Spirit. And it is through the Holy Spirit, not a 12-step program, not an Instagram blogger, but it's the Holy Spirit that will enable you and give you the power to live a life that is alive, that is freed from that sin. It's not, you know, overcoming something is not some app you have on your phone so you don't look at that website. That's just a part of accountability, but that's, that's not where the true transformation and power comes from overcoming it. You know, the other things in our life that we're struggling with it's not gonna be because of a 12-step program. It's gonna be a one-step program of Jesus Christ. I promise you that. And he can completely free you from that. In Acts chapter 19, I don't know if we talked about this, and I'm gonna come in for a close. Or as we were just saying previously, the Spirit gives life. Uh, we talked about 2 Corinthians 3, 6, how the, the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. In John 6, 63, Jesus also says that the Spirit makes us alive. The Spirit makes us alive. My question for you tonight is, are you alive or are you dead? Do you have the Holy Spirit? And like I said earlier, Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 2, Paul is on his way and he's making his way through Ephesus. And it says in verse 1, And it happened while Paulus was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, please understand this, and I don't have a lot of time. I'm running out of time. 
that a lot of what we believe and what a scripture says is that when you believe in Jesus Christ, you receive the seal of the Holy Spirit. You are his, right? To be born again, right? But it's a, a spiritual birth. You, be a, you are a new creation, and it's all through the Holy Spirit. So you receive the Holy Spirit. So it's kind of an odd question that Paul would throw out there that, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's like a, a, yeah, duh, I believed, right? We associate faith and belief with receiving the Holy Spirit. And if I have the Holy Spirit, then I have believed. But this is what they said. They said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Listen, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's my challenge for you tonight. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And you're thinking, man, Pastor Jeffrey, I have no idea. I have no idea. Spurgeon says this. Give a man an electric shock, and I warrant you he will know it. How many of you guys played that shock tato game tonight? All right, the rest of you tonight, we're playing shock tato. It's a hot potato game where you throw it around and it shocks you at the end. When you get shocked, how many of you guys knew it? Yeah, duh, you knew it, right? You felt it. He says, give a man an electric shock and I warrant you he will know it. But if he has the Holy Ghost, he will know it much more. If you have the Holy Spirit, you know. Without a shadow of a doubt, you know. Have you received the Holy Spirit when you believed? It's a remarkable question. It's a different question, and we have a lot of time to dig into it. But he could have simply said, have you believed in Jesus? Right? Like, that would have been just a simple question. And if they said yes, then you'd be like, oh, Paul could have been like, okay, well, then they have the Holy Spirit. And I could ask you tonight, have you believed in Jesus? And you'd be like, oh, yeah, I believed in him. But have you received the Holy Spirit? And you'd be like, oh, I don't know. Well, then have you really believed in Jesus? Because the Holy Spirit is accompanied by our belief and our confession and our repentance. You are filled and you are sealed. You are then become a child of God because you have received the Spirit of God. All Christians have the Holy Spirit indwelling in them. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us life. It's the Holy Spirit that guides. It's the Holy Spirit that, that tells me yes and no. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts. It's the Holy Spirit that gives me power to do what I do. It's the Holy Spirit that gives me the desire to even get up in the morning and worship my God. Everything that I would ever do, everything, anything that we would do this weekend as, as leaders or youth, if we did it apart from the Holy Spirit, it's nothing. It's nothing. Th this would just be a, a trip to just hang out and have some fun and eat some pizza and other things. I don't know what else we're eating, but it'd be nothing. The absence of, a, of the Holy Spirit is evidence of being unsaved. Point blank. The absence of the Spirit is evidence of being unsaved. Romans 8, 9 tells you, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And I don't do this to scare you. I do this because there is an urgency in your life. This world is stinking crazy. Our, our government's insane. People are insane. We don't know when this life's going to end. You don't know when your life's going to end. We don't know when Jesus Christ is coming back, but we assume it to be, to be soon. And so there is little time to waste. Little time to waste. So I challenge you. I don't scare you. I challenge you. And I believe the Holy Spirit is challenging you. Because the Holy Spirit, even if he's not in you, will come next to you and convict you. He will come next to you and convict you. That's how I'm even drawn to the Lord in the first place, is through the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit wants to reside in you. God wants to reside in you. We always talk about, and we hear about, that we, our bodies, are the temple of the living God, right? That's because the Holy Spirit lives in you. But do you have the Holy Spirit in you? How can a believer know that the Holy Spirit lives in him? Would someone look at your life and see an absence of the Holy Spirit in your life? And what do you see when you look at your own life? I want to read you this. Well, I'm not going to read this. 
the Ephesians who were questioned by Paul were really challenged by this and they were unsure. And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And if that's your answer tonight, if you feel like I don't know, I don't see the evidence of the Holy Spirit. I don't see the work of the Holy Spirit. You may be thinking, well, Pastor Jeffrey, what is the work of the Holy Spirit? I'll give you a few examples. Um, One, with the Holy Spirit, there's a a standard of, of righteousness, right? Do we have a drive and a desire for righteousness or is it really unrighteousness? Matthew chapter 5, 20, Jesus told the disciples that they had to be more righteous than the scribes and Pharisees who rigidly followed the law if they wanted to enter the kingdom of heaven. And since we cannot reach the standard of righteousness that God requires, he has given us another way to come to him. In John chapter 6, verse 28, Jesus said, Believe on him who he has sent. And when we invite Christ into our lives, the Spirit of God also comes in us and begins a new work in us. We become new people. We have new desires, new aspirations. Right? Like, I have a desire to be, please God. I have a desire for righteousness. What 13, 14, 15-year-old has a desire for righteousness? Not a lot, unless the Spirit of God is in him. Every other single 13, 14, 15-year-old, and when I'm saying those numbers, it's whatever age you are, 11 to 18 to 20, our desire is not for righteousness apart from God. It's to be more like the world, and the world is as unrighteous as it can be. Right? Making up their own truths and not believing in the one truth and believing that your truth is your truth. But how can there be more than one truth well whatever makes you feel good (laughs) this isn't about feelings it's about what's real and what's true are you pursuing Jesus Jesus said love your Lord with your love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind like do you truly have that do you have that and I don't want to give you an example of what that looks like and how often it has to be in your daily life. You know whether or not you truly love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. You know that. I don't have to tell you or not tell you. That's between you and the Lord, and you know. Are you focused on what the flesh desires? Right? Galatians says, uh, walk by the Spirit and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Right? We're going to talk about that a little bit tomorrow. Is your mind set on what the spirit desires? Or is it on, you know, what the next cool thing is? Is it on what every, every single person in your school is doing and following? Are you the kid that just loves Billie Eilish because everybody else likes her? Right? Like, if, if a kid down the street and Clayton made the same music, you would not like that music. You wouldn't. You only like it because she's popular and every other, every other person, and I'm just using her as an example, this applies to almost everything. You like it because of the mob mentality because everybody else likes it. You do. And she is not a great example. I watched one of her, anyways. I, and I hope she, she finds Jesus. Are you producing good, good fruit? We talked about this in our fall retreat, right? Bear fruit, that was our theme. Bear fruits, a few of you are wearing the sweatshirts tonight. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Jesus said that. You should bear fruits that are worthy of repentance. What does that mean? Well, if you have truly repented, if you have truly believed, you have received the Holy Spirit, and one of the, the giftings, one of the, the things that we receive from the Holy Spirit is this good fruit which can be summarized as love, but there's nine of them, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, right? All these different fruits that are not things that you have apart from God, apart from the Holy Spirit. So those things, just like I know an apple tree is an apple tree because I see the apples. (laughs) In the same sense, I know I'm a Christian and I have the Holy Spirit indwelling in me because he is producing these fruits. You cannot fake them. I mean, you can, but it's gonna come and find out and then God will curse you. 
right? Just like he cursed the fig tree, which looked like that it was blooming figs, and he walked up to it and he said, curse you because I'm hungry and there's no figs here. He's like, you look like a Christian, but let me look at your heart. Oh man, no, you're really not. Sorry. But again, it's not about the works. It's about the heart. And it's the heart that produces the works. It's just a natural thing. It's just a natural thing. A dead man is going to produce dead things, but a live person is going to produce alive things, beautiful things, good things. I challenge you with this, and I'm going to read a Spurgeon quote. It's going to be fairly long, so follow, follow with me. I only got a few minutes left. He said, Has, Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? For remember, the Holy Spirit is the author of all spiritual life. Life does not lie latent in natural men for themselves to stir up, but until the Holy Spirit visits them, they are dead in trespasses and sin. If, when you believed, you did not have a life imparted by the Holy Spirit, your believing was a dead believing, the mere counterfeit of living faith, and not the faith of God's elect. If the Holy Spirit has not been with you since your conversion, every act of your religion has been formal, dead, and unaccepted. In vain you have tuned your formal songs. In vain you have attempted to adore. Your hosannas have languished on your tongues, and your devotion has fallen like a corpse before the altar. If the Holy Spirit is not there, life is not there. Your many prayers have been mockeries. Your joys have been delusions. Your griefs have been carnal. What is born from the flesh is flesh and nothing better. Let that flesh be washed and cleansed, yet all that comes from it is flesh. Only what is born from the Spirit is spirit. There must then be a work from heaven, a work of the Holy Spirit upon the heart, or else you have not believed to life and still abide in death. Furthermore, if, if we have believed in Christ correctly, the Holy Spirit has come upon us to transform us altogether. By divine grace, we are not now what we used to be. We have new thoughts, new wishes, new aspirations, new sorrows, new joys, and these are created in us by the Spirit. A man's conversion is nothing, his believing is nothing, his profession is nothing, unless he is made a new creation by Jesus Christ. Do you see that in your life? Were you dead or were you alive? Guys, God loves you. These, these adults that are here tonight, they love you, not as much as Christ. Your parents love you, not as much as Christ. We love you, and we, our hearts are burdened for you. And our hearts are broken for you guys when, when we see you guys, you know, not doing well. I don't know if you guys noticed on Sunday I didn't have a really good day. I was kind of bummed, and I was a little uh, emotional, and you get, yeah, some of you know. Um, I was really hurt. I was bummed because I, I genuinely care about you guys. And when I, when I see you, when, it, when you don't have a love for God, it hurts. And I'm just a man. You're not even my own kids. And I can only imagine the love that our Creator has for us. Our love the Father has for us by sending His only Son to die for you. He said, man, Jeffrey, I love you so much. Even though that you are an enemy with me, even though that you mock me, even though that you hate me right now, I will send my only son to die for you. And not only is he, not only is he gonna die, he's gonna live the perfect life that you couldn't live. Then he's gonna die, and he's gonna die a gruesome and horrible death. Crucifixion was no joke. Not only the physical death that he, that he received, but then he received the wrath of God. I don't know how to explain that to you, but I'm sure it wasn't good. Jesus Christ, I think, in one of the statements, one of the seven statements, he says, why, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was at that point when God had to, to look away because it, Jesus, it says in the Bible that it says, he who knew no sin became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God in him. The only way for me to get into heaven is through that righteousness, that standard. It's not by my works. It's by accepting what Jesus Christ did and me saying, hey, I've got this ticket here and I, I have this righteousness that, that Jesus Christ has given me. It is only through his righteousness that I am gonna make, that, make my way into heaven and have a relationship with God. It's not through my righteousness because I'm not right at all. 
It's only through Jesus Christ's righteousness. And he said, I love you. I'll do that for you. And even Jesus shows his love for us because he willfully accepted it. He went through it. Man, he loved, he loves every single person. There's no differentiation. There is no, I love you better, I have a favorite kid type thing. He loves all of us. Regardless of the big sins or little sins or the good person that you are, you think you are or the bad person you think you are, he loves you all the same. And he has given us all the same opportunity to accept him and love him back. This is love, guys, that he loved us before we loved him. Love is not us loving him back. That's just a reciprocation of the goodness of him. True love is him loving us, knowing that who we are, knowing that we haven't even loved him back. And even when we do love him back, it's not even that good, right? It's not even that good. So I challenge you tonight, and I, 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 I pray that the Holy Spirit moves upon your heart. If you guys want to dim the lights and worship team, if you guys want to come back up, I think tonight, as we know that tomorrow is not promised, whether we believe that to be a biblical statement or whether we just, we know it because we see life, we know life, things happen. We see it in the news, we see it with famous people, we see it with young people. There's disasters, there's accidents, there's mistakes, there's diseases, and all those things come upon us. None of us are immune to them. So you don't know what tomorrow holds, you don't know what next week holds. And the more that you push off this relationship with God, the harder your heart's gonna get. The harder it's gonna get. And I pray that you guys have good lives. I pray that you guys aspire to be, you know, something good in your career. Not every single one of you has to work in the ministry at church, okay? That's not the goal. The goal is not for all of you to be pastors. The goal is for you to do ministry in and of itself as, as the word ministry means to serve. I pray that you all serve. I pray that you all love Christ. And I pray that you guys have, have, have good aspirations and dreams, but not for the sake of the gospel. I've done youth ministry for not long. It's only been eight or nine years since, which is really not that long. And one of the things that I've seen is so many of these kids who are genuine, it seems like, at a young age, but then they get older. They get 15, 16, and you start to see them sway and be swayed by the world. They start to act a different way, talk a different way, dress a different way. They start to less and less come to church and small groups and events. And it's not, those, it's not those things that make you a Christian anyways, but those things are good. I tell you, those things are good. And then they hit 17, 18. Then they hit 19, 20. And then I see them completely fall away and follow the things of this world. And it, and it hurts. And we hear the prayers of their parents when we do corporate prayer and that they want the prodigal son and daughter to come back. And, and it's all because there hasn't been a true confession of faith and a receiving of the Holy Spirit. And what you are, what's happening is you are continuing to desire the things of this world. You're led, led by your flesh. You become prideful, you become arrogant. You think you're too cool, you think you're too old. You think this is for nothing, there's no benefit to it. But that's gonna happen when you're dead. And so if the Holy Spirit, if you wanna dim all the lights, the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit only, it's not my words, it's not anything else. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, if he's tugging on your heart, if you feel like, man, I, I just need to make it right. And listen, don't, don't pass this up, don't pass up, don't pass this up. pray for a few things to happen tonight for confession of your sin if you confess your sin first John tells us if you confess your sin Jesus Christ will forgive you of your sin it's as simple as that 
you don't have to make yourself righteous. You don't have to do anything. You just have to confess your sin. But then Romans tells us that we have to, to believe in Jesus Christ, that he is our Lord and Savior, that we have to have a faith. And I believe with those things that happen, the confession and the repentance and the faith that we have, you will receive the filling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, which will allow you to live a life that is that seeks joy and goodness and righteousness and the things of God. You, have give, you will be given the Spirit of God, and it is the Spirit of God who knows the things of God. And in God is everything that is good. Everything that every single person in here desires, but we try to fill it with things that just don't quite fit or just aren't quite good enough. Ecclesiastes tells us that eternity has been been given in our hearts, that we have a desire for it. We have all have this tugging and longing for it. But are you going to fill it with the right thing or the wrong thing? 